Who is Jesus? A lot of people have lots of opinion. They always have. I said lots of people have lots of opinions. They always have. But I like his interaction with the apostles and especially with Peter. And so we've been looking at this, and I'm just going to go ahead and start there in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, In verse 13, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So it matters. I think what he's about to differentiate here is uh, people's opinion from the truth. People's opinion from revelation. There are a lot of opinions today about God, who he is and what he accepts what he thinks is all right and what he doesn't think is all right. You can ask 100 people, and and normally today you might get 100 different results. The sad thing is you should only get one result because it's written down who he is. It's written down who he is. It's really not up for debate. It's not up for your opinion. It's not up for my opinion. It's up for what is written down. And so he's asking them, and he said, who do, who do people say that I am? And everybody's got an opinion. And here, the opinion that looked godly was wrong. It looked, it was religious, but it looked, it's wrong. Because he said, well, some say that you are um, John the Baptist. And I keep saying it all the time, but I've never figured that one out. They walked on the earth at the same time. I don't get that one. I guess there wasn't Facebook back then. So, you know, I guess. All right. Um, Somebody says you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or some one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's the Holy Ghost question to you today. Who do you say that he is? Not who does your mama say that he is? I'll go over this again. I mean, even Timothy, the pastor of the church of Ephesus, who I believe was one of the strongest New Testament churches. Remember, uh, the Apostle Paul said to him, the, the unfeigned faith or the real deal faith that was in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice is found in you also. So faith should be passed from generation to generation. I've just do it, done this long enough to know that it's not automatic. I've, I've, I've see, seen some stuff and I see some stuff that I know to you that it's not automatic. And in this generation, as you're bringing up your children and your teenagers and your young adults, just don't assume it's automatic. Just because you get them to church doesn't mean it's automatic. You got to live this in front of them. You got to talk this in front of them. You got to do this in front of them. And so uh, grandmother Lois had it. And she passed it on to her daughter Eunice. You remember that? And Eunice must have had a living faith. Because that living faith was enough to pass it on to her son Timothy. So Timothy had to have a revelation as well. And so that's the whole point here Jesus is saying. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he said, well, this is what I know. You're the Christ. No question about it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, woo-wee. That's what he said. Nobody nobody told you that. My father had to reveal that to you. My father revealed that to you. So revelation, a revealed truth. 
I pray the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You see, it's not enough for you. Uh, you don't believe God. You need to renew your mind with the word of God. Okay, let me preface it. You must renew your mind with the word of God. But you don't believe God with your renewed mind. Faith is of the heart. And you have to have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't let this be too simple for you. Don't let this be too simple for you. Because I think sometimes the, um, the elaborateness of today's messages in some places, the uh, trying to impress people with this and be all cool and, and make this, this huge point where everybody's emotional. But if you leave emotional and you don't have any real uh, truth, anything to ground you, to hold you, and what is God looking for? He's still looking for the same thing that he did with Adam and Eve. He's looking for somebody to walk with. He's looking for somebody who'll agree with him. He'll look with, he's looking for someone that in their life, whether you live 80 or 120 years on this earth, someone that'll do life with him while they're on the earth, not waiting till they get to heaven. Amen. He's looking, and what does that take? It takes revelation. It takes knowing him. I said it takes knowing him. And so we're going to do something really simple today, uh, but it, it is the truth, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited, just excited about this. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus is the Savior. Come on, He is the Savior. And really, that's where it all starts. So I want to remind you of some things. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says, Born unto you this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. He, he is the Savior. And, and in John chapter 4, verse 42, we're going to look at that one. Remember, uh, Jesus was ministering to this woman who had, uh, you know, some obviously some trouble in her life because she had been uh, married so many times and currently living with a man that she wasn't married to. And so in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, uh, 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 we see everything going on. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll just start at uh, verse 39 because she's going back to her village. And, she, and many of the Samaritans, verse 39, of that city believed on him. For the saying of the woman which testified, he told me everything that I ever did. So this is the truth. When you go testify, people will believe on Jesus. He, he told her because she encountered the gifts of the Spirit, she, she, entered, uh, she found the compassion of the Lord. Not just for physical healing, but this woman had some things going on in her life, didn't she? Listen, you've been married five times and you're living with a man right now. Um, uh, you have some things, you have some unresolved issues in your life. Especially in her day. Especially in her day. Now, well, see, that woman needs to get it all together. Everybody needs to get it all together. That's not the point of that. And Jesus met her where she was so he could talk to her. And then she believed on him. She wasn't born again yet because Jesus hadn't died yet, but she believed on him. And then, uh, the, the, so she went back and told him, and, and many believed. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, uh, so he, he took some time out. This wasn't even his group, but he took some time out. He wasn't called to these people yet. But he went, he went and did a preview. Coming attractions. That's really what happened. Samaritans. Don't be offended, but back in the day, called them half-breeds. Nobody liked them. Isolated. But Jesus did. And he went and did a preview. 
<laughs> Come on. If you can get excited about a preview of a movie, you ought to get pre excited about Jesus showing a preview of who he is and what he's going to do. Uh, he hung out with them for a couple days. I, ooh, I bet when he rose from the dead, they were all ready. I bet they were. And he said to the woman, uh, the, so, and many more believed uh, because of his own word. So Jesus went, and many believed because of her word, and he's like, let me go get the rest of them ready. And he said to the woman, somebody's confused. What am I, I'm saying is, remember when the Syrophoenician woman came? Same groupish kind of people. He said, I'm not sent to you right now. Because why? He came to preach to the Israelites first. Right? He said, I'm not sent to you right now. Remember he told the Syrophoenician woman? Remember he called her a dog? Remember, that's, that's, that's on every major news network these days. Preacher, supposed son of God, calls woman dog. Attorneys follow. Right? Right? And what did she say, though? She said, you're right, I am. Just give me a crumb. And he said, I haven't found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. So even back then, their faith in the Lord caused them to receive even when it wasn't their time. Come on, your faith can get you to receive today because it is your time. So here he said, and many more believe because of his own word. And he said to the woman, now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard ourselves and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Everybody say, Jesus is the Christ. The Savior of the world. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, the praise and worship team, uh, that third song you did, you might want to, I don't know if everybody's still here. Sometimes they go, but whoever's here, I think I'm going to want that at the very end. We're just, we're just going to fly everywhere today. We're just going to, we're going to get it all. Hallelujah. Just can't get any ruts and rituals around here. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter four, verse number ten. It says this: For therefore um, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. I trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, specifically for those that believe. Second Timothy one ten. Second Timothy one ten. Um, well, let's start at verse 9. Who has saved us? First Tim, 2 Timothy 1.9. For who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. You can't work this up. You can't be good enough. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus is the Savior. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Everybody say, Jesus is my Savior. You and I needed to be saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from sin, first and foremost. Our sin, sin of all mankind, separated us from God. 
The wages of sin, uh, Romans says, the wages of it is death. And really without a savior, the wages of sin brought eternal death. Everyone, uh, listen, when life begins in a mother's womb, and from that place you are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. That's where the Bible says God knew you in your mother's womb. That's the end of the discussion on that. That's not political. That's scriptural. No, no I'm gonna, that's not political. That's not up for your debate. That's scriptural. I knew you in your mother's womb. Do you know where a mother's womb is? Well, if God knows you, then you're a person. In your mother's womb. And there is where he called you. And there is where he gifted you. And there is where he graced you. And there is where he gave you a good life. Right there. Before you did anything right or before you did anything wrong. He knew you. I mean, uh, the prophets talk about it. Paul talks about it. There's more than one witness on this. There's five, six witnesses about that's where God knows you. And see, the cool thing is then you don't have to earn his approval. He blessed you before you did anything right or wrong. He made a way for you. Ephesians 2.10 says he prearranged a good life for you. Right there in your mama's womb, before you cried, before you disobeyed when you were a teenager, before you got messed up, before you even accepted Jesus, he had a good plan for you. Isn't that cool? And all you got to do, you got to discover it. Well, what, how do you discover it? Make Jesus your savior. Make him the Lord of your life. Amen. Make him the Lord of your life. And when you do, you begin the steps of the righteous or ordered of the Lord. You can never get to your highest place in life except in God. People will never be satisfied with their life until they make Jesus Savior and make him the Lord of your life. Because your call, your destiny is wrapped up in him. You are one, it's supposed to be one in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's important for us to understand that we needed a Savior. You had to have a Savior. They all, everybody on planet earth, the billions that are on the earth today, they need a savior. It's not optional. Heaven and hell are very real. So salvation, we think about, we do, most people, uh, maybe not of our group, but most people think, well, salvation is just about heaven or hell. Well, I've got some good news, and most of you all know this. It's more than just heaven and hell. It's about life here on the earth. Salvation. Jesus is our salvation. He is salvation. He has come to save us. You and I needed a savior. We needed a redeemer. We needed a healer. We needed a provider. We needed a Lord in our life. And Jesus came to restore everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden. He came to restore so that as Savior and Lord that we could again uh, walk with our Father. Remember when he, Mary was at the tomb and he said, don't touch me because I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father. Salvation means God becomes a Father to us. He's not just a God. He becomes Abba to us. That only happens through salvation. 
You're made an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus said, Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine, and I'm going to give it to you. That's what salvation is. Thank God our names are written in the Lamb's book. Well, Pastor Mark, is our name blotted or is it written? It's there. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, I've been doing this a long time, and I don't like to fuss about the small stuff. This or that. If if people are arguing about it, just find what you find in the Word of God. Stick with good doctrine. But let's keep with the heart of what's going on. All I know is my name's written. Was it written when I was born or was it written when I was born again? I don't know. People think both ways. I don't know why I'm talking about this. But I'm just glad my name is written. Is your name written there? Hallelujah. It's my reservation for my mansion in heaven. Hallelujah. I don't know if my name will be on my address, but I'm I'm grateful. Amen. So this is the deal. I want to talk about this. This is a familiar scripture. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I always think I have all the time in the world with you, and then it just goes too fast. So John chapter 3. You all know these scriptures, but John 3, 14. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus is the Son of Man, and he's also the Son of God. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but he have, but have eternal life. So this is talking about having eternal life with God. For God so loved the world, aren't you grateful, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, uh, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So there's two choices in life. You either don't believe on him and perish, or you believe on him and you do have everlasting life. For God sent his son not into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, through him, they might be saved. Saved. Now, I didn't have time to do this, but uh, I'm going to have them get ready. Um, Opal's uh, Tuesday Healing School, uh, Sozo. Can you get that ready for me? Who's ever up there? But I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 9. Opal is okay if I borrow your stuff. Okay, good. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And being made perfect, Jesus is talking about, well, let's look at verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered, semicolon, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, you and I know how to get born again, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart, that Jesus was raised from the dead. In other words, you believe that he's alive. You believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, and you believe that in your heart, and you confess that with your mouth, you'll become born again. That is salvation. But salvation, the word is sozo, and it means more than just to go to heaven. This is the meaning of it. It means to save. Are y'all saved? It also means to deliver. How many of you know, uh, these things, salvation is not just so that you get born again, that you miss hell and make heaven. That is obviously a big part of that, but the Lord is salvation. And he came to bring you salvation, and he wants you to enjoy salvation when you're on the earth. 
And so what does he want to do? Yes, he wants to save you. Save you from what? Hell. Uh, save you unto heaven. What does he want to do? He wants to deliver you. Deliver you from what? Well, anything that bothers you. He has delivered. He does deliver. And he'll always deliver you. What does he deliver you th from? Anything that Jesus took in his death that he took upon himself. So that would be sin, sickness, disease, poverty, uh, shame, uh, grief, sorrow. Any of those things, Jesus took them and he can deliver you out of them. He'll deliver you out of habits. He'll deliver you out of long, wrong lifestyles. He'll deliver you out of anything and everything that the devil tries to do. Anything the devil tries to do in darkness, the light who is Jesus will undo it and he'll deliver you from a prison house. He'll deliver you from mental prison. He'll deliver you from anything that's going on in your life. Jesus is a deliverer and that's part of your salvation. Amen. Amen. He'll protect you. From what? Well, the Bible says in John 10, 10, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't ever mess that up. God is not bringing any bad things. He didn't cause a car accident so that you would slow down and meditate on the Lord for a month in the hospital while you recover. That's the devil. He steals, kills, and destroys. Will God take a bad thing and turn it around for his good? Absolutely all the time. But you got to know who the author is of destruction, and that is the devil. The devil is the stealer. The devil is the destroyer. The devil is the killer. Don't ever mess that up. A four-year-old can figure that out. A doctorate in, in uh, you know, preaching can mess that up, though. Uh, that, you know, oh, God. You know, God doesn't do bad things. God only does good things. And if you've had a bad thing and you blame it on God, then quit blaming God on it. It was the devil and maybe you. But he'll deliver you out of it. Come on, everybody say, Jesus is my deliverer. Now, he'll even deliver you out of the own, your own messes that you made. Well, God just wants you to live in it. He doesn't. He'll heal you. Physical healing. Healing in your soul. He's the healer of the broken heart. But physically, any sickness, any disease, and we're going to hopefully get into this in just a minute, so I'm not going to stop there too long, but physical healing is available for the church. Physical healing has always been available for covenant people. And we have a new and better covenant. Remember the woman who was bowed over. Jesus said uh, to, about that woman, he said, I thought that woman, uh, a daughter of Abraham. What, what did he do there? He invoked a covenant for her. She ought to be healed. He healed her because she was a daughter of Abraham. Well, if Abraham had a covenant of healing, you and I have a better covenant of healing. Come on. It's not the new and worser covenant. It's the new and better covenant. So God didn't take anything away from it. He had to preserve you. Ooh, glory to God. He'll preserve you. He'll keep you. He'll keep you. Come on, in the hour that we live in, what's he going to keep you safe from? Well, all the crazy people. What else can he keep you safe from? Wars. What else can he keep you safe from? Pestilence. What else can he keep you safe from? Any virus. Not just healed you, but keep you safe from. He'll cause you to do well. Oh, this is, come on, this salvation is too much. It's too, it's too much. It's too much. Because you, know you know what could have happened? They Father could have said, you know what? Go down and make sure they don't ever go to hell. And anyone who will believe on you, at least they'll be with us for all of eternity. But that's not enough for God because God doesn't just stop with barely enough. 
He added more. He decided to deliver you. He wants to protect you. He wants to heal you. He wants to preserve you. He wants to save you. He wants you to do well. What does that mean? He wants to prosper you. He doesn't want money to be your God, but he wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. And he wants to make you whole. Whole. You are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. When you believe in Jesus, your spirit gets born again. There's nothing wrong. I've heard people say all over these years, well, my spirit's wounded. It's not. Your spirit's been created in likeness and image of God. Your spirit's just fine. Now, your soul, that, that can get messed up. But guess what? Make whole spirit, soul. Now, in your soul, you got something to do with it. He'll, he's the mender of a broken heart. We looked at that last week. But you got to renew your mind. And then you got to make your will his will. Right? And then your body, well, you got to keep it under, you got to crucify it. Oh, let's, let's shout on that one. We got to crucify it. We got to keep it under. You're not the boss of me. You're not having any Starbucks today. You're not the, you're not the boss of me. Hallelujah. Tell who's boss. Everybody say this. It's a new word. Everybody say, I've been sozoed. What does that mean? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have salvation, but I have been delivered. It's past tense. Come on, receive Jesus as Savior. Yes, you're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. But receive him as your deliverer. Receive him as your protector. Receive him. These things are available, but it's a him. Jesus did this. He healed you. He's preserved you. He's uh, saving you. He's causing you to do well. He has made you whole. Amen. And so I want to concentrate on this one before we go. This is on my heart. And then I'm going to minister to people through the doctrine of laying on of hands. It's Sunday morning, first service. But, um, and we do this a lot on Wednesday nights and saturation. But um, we're, we're going to do it. And, uh, um, you know. Sometimes on Sunday morning, you know, I know we got to get them kids out of the nursery and get them out of the children's church and get the next group in and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm going to lay hands on anyone today who wants hands laid on them. That's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. But we're going to talk about it just a minute first because Jesus is the healer. Now, I don't remember. I preach so much these days. I don't remember who I tell what to. But I want to tell this little account. I went to um, Bible school. in the. I graduated in ninety. And uh, we're there, I had a class called Christ the Healer. We have it in our Bible Institute. Reverend Opal teaches this. I'm just going to say this before I forget. Every Tuesday here at 11 o'clock, right here in this room, Reverend Opal Cruz ministers on the subjects of faith and healing. We've had faith, uh, healing school for how many years? Are you serious? We look good for as long as we've been doing this, haven't we? 22 years. I remember I started it. I think I did it for three weeks, two weeks. Oh, just one. <laughs> I knew I was going to turn it over to Opal. Listen, when you got an expert in your midst, when you got an expert in your midst, I don't have to do everything around here. Never have, never will. But the Lord healed her from three incurable diseases plus and raised her up. Um, I'm been, uh, 
So 11 o'clock, if you can't be here, it's live streamed. Take your lunch at 11, eat your Big Mac or whatever you eat while you're watching, but watch. And especially if you receive, like in our services, when the gifts of the Spirit are moving and you get an instantaneous manifestation, uh, a healing just like that uh, through the uh, gifts of the Spirit and through the laying on of hands, you need to learn how to keep what God has given you. Well, if God gave it to me, it'll just stay. Not true. You have to learn how to keep what God has given you. So you got a head start on some people by the manifestations of the Spirit, and he's willing to do that. But then you got to learn how to keep it. So you hear a lot of people say, well, I guess I didn't get healed. No, I guess you did because Jesus is the healer. I mean, if it's all gone, <laughs> that means you're well, then, but you have to maintain it. Amen? So I encourage you to do that before we get going. But I want to talk to you about Jesus, salvation, Jesus is the healer. So way back when, after I got out of Bible school, you know, I'd been through Christ the healer. And I'd had some ongoing symptoms in my body, really pretty much for uh, my entire teenage years. And some things that would get irritated and aggravated and come back. And um, I, I was a traveling minister. And especially then, I wasn't eating right. And I was, always, I was on the go. And so I began to come back uh, some things, tried to get back on me. And um, I remember... Uh, in my mom and dad's farmhouse, sitting at the dining room table where I prayed. That was kind of my study room. And I, I, I wore a path in the carpet, my mom says, uh, from praying. But the Lord said today, I want you to receive, the Holy Ghost said to me, I want you to receive Jesus as your healer. Just like you received him as Savior. So I knew he healed. And I had been healed. But I did something different. And I want to talk to you about it. Who is he to you? Can he heal? Sure he can. Does he heal? Sure he does. Is it for today? Absolutely. But is he your healer? Is he your healer when you're not sick? Is he your healer when everything is well? Or is he only healer when you need something? Because if he's only healer when you need something, it'll be hard for you to receive because you're trying to get something that's already yours. So you receive him as healer like you received him as Savior and made him Lord of your life. You need to get down in here because to someone today, this is more important than you realize. And while you're well, and it doesn't matter what's coming down the road, if Jesus becomes healer, healer, just like he's Savior, you receive him as that. You begin to walk in that. So I want to remind you of some scriptures. Isaiah chapter 53 not going to spend a long time on it because I do want to lay hands on people. Isaiah 53. Everybody say, Jesus is Jesus. my healer. Verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we have been healed. And so that's future, talking about Jesus, that he, he was wounded uh, for our sicknesses and our disease. Most other more modern translations talks about, and that the, uh, we know in First Peter it talks about that he took stripes on his back. By those stripes you were healed. You know, in the Gospels, it talks about how Jesus was laid over the, the smile. You know, they laid him over the pole and they took the cat of 